Welcome to the Rocks and Roots podcast. Another fantastic episode coming your way from the car. I am one of your hosts, Tumbles, and to the right of me as the passenger this time is... Cranky. Hello, hello, hello. And we have a wonderful guest with us today. We're so excited to introduce... Greg Calabrese of Rip Van Winkle Adventure Guides. Um, They do hiking trips, rowing, hunting... Fishing all in the Catskills region. So, hello, sir. Hello. How are you? <laughs> we are doing well. Thank you for joining us. So, uh, thanks for having me on. No problem. Yes, Greg was very patient as we were playing uh, email and telephone tag for the past week. So, we really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, I guess we'll just jump into yeah. this. Um, so yeah, Rip Van Winkle is an awesome name for an adventure company, by the way. And just thank you. (laughs) Why are you based out of the Catskills versus like the Adirondacks or some of the more well-known areas? Um, well, I would like to think the Catskills are well-known too, but, um, yes, I agree. (laughs) The Catskills are my home. Um, I grew up here. Uh, I've lived in the town of Catskill uh, pretty much since uh, I was two years old. Oh, wow. Very cool. So, I mean, with, with, a, with a stint in the, on the, uh, in the western states, I lived in Phoenix, Arizona for uh, a long time, too. We were wondering because uh, when we were giving you a call, we were like, wonder why he has a Phoenix number. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, lived in Phoenix for a while, uh, ran around the mountains of Arizona um, for about 20 years, and then um, moved back here to Catskill, back to my hometown. Well, that's great. I mean, after we go over your Catskills adventures, I'd really like to hear about your Arizona trail adventures, too, actually. Yes, that is not... Yeah, we didn't discuss that ahead of time, but I definitely want to hear about that. Um, So, yeah, so you already started... So, can you continue with your background a little bit? Um, you said yeah. you have lived in the Catskills, stayed in Arizona. What else can you tell us? Uh, well, I mean, I've traveled all over the country hiking, um, but mainly here in New York and uh, in Arizona. Um, I've always been outdoors. I mean, growing up here in Catskills, we didn't have anything to do but run around in the woods. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It was always something that uh, I was doing anyway. And then um, in about 1984, uh, Greene County uh, decided to try to drum up tourism. And they made this contest to find um, Rip Van Winkle's Rock, which um, everybody knows the story of Rip Van Winkle. This is where the the Catskills is where that, you know, took place. Um, so the tourism board for uh, Green County started the thing where they hid a rock that had R.I.P. engraved in it, and they kind of rewrote the story of Rip Van Winkle with more clues. And you had to search; you had to read the story and, search, and figure out the clues to find this rock. Uh, well, my father got really into it, and he started dragging us out on the weekend to hike and find Rift Rock. And uh, that was really like my big introduction to the Catskill. It's almost like geocaching before it was cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so was that all over the Catskill? Because the Catskill is fairly large. I mean, we've done almost all of the 3,500s. It covers a lot of ground. Like, how much of the park did they have this contest going on in? Um, well, it was for Green County Tourism. Okay. So it was basically Green County. the park in Green County, but the bulk of the bulk of the Catskill Park is in Green and Ulster County. Alright. Wow. Okay. Cool. So that kind of got you into hiking in the outdoors and you just took off from there? Yeah. Um, I mean, then as, as I, you know, became a teenager, then it was just like myself and my friends were gathering old backpacks and things like that and just walking out our back doors and heading out into the woods for weekends to get away from our parents. And <laughs> yep. It just 
<laughs> yeah, you definitely. Yeah, and it, it just stuck with me. It was just something I always loved to do. I love to hike. Um, it's great. I love being outside and exploring new areas. And even the same old ones, no matter how many times I hike a trail in the Catskills or one of the Catskills peaks, I always see something different. The oh, lighting's bet. always different. It's just, it's, uh, the Catskills are a beautiful area. Um, and, uh, they're, they're my backyard, so that's why I like to focus on the Catskills. I like to show other people the beauty of them, so they maybe aren't thought of as, like, the lesser mountains. Oh, absolutely. I mean, now, going into, uh, after high school, going to college, is is that what you had in mind as your career choice was to stick with the outdoors? Uh, no, absolutely not. I was going to be a rock star. Did you? And, uh, <laughs> Love it. <laughs> hiking was just hiking was just something that I did other than you know other than day to day life. Yeah. And uh, playing music was, was I just loved to be outside. So, no, I actually only, I decided um, probably about uh, 10 years ago, uh, actually seven years ago, um, about becoming a guide, you know, just trying to figure out. I was on a 14-day hunting camping trip in northern Arizona and was just like, how do I do this for a living? That is amazing. (laughs) So... How do you do this for a living? Like, what are the requirements to be a... I'm assuming, like, the certification is a state certification. How does that process work? Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm licensed with New York State, um, with, the depart- with the DEC. Um, you fill out an application, um, send it in to them, and then you take a series of tests with them as well as uh, certify for first aid, CPR, AED, um, all the all the good safety stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and the, the testing is basically a lot of your, um, you're tested on your outdoor knowledge, really. There's no, there was no syllabus or any kind of study guide. Hmm. That's, that's really fascinating. I, you know, I was trying, when I, when I worked in New York City, I, I was looking into being a New York City tour guide and of course that is extremely uh history based so your test right. sounds like a lot a lot easier actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was uh, i mean i was actually surprised with uh the state that there wasn't any kind of like schooling involved uh-huh um but uh you know thankfully I, there wasn't since i decided to do this later in life and didn't really wasn't looking forward to having to go back to college for something. Yeah. Right. Definitely. So what's the format of the test? Is it like paper and pencil? Is it any practical? Like, do you have to demonstrate stuff? Like, how does the testing itself work? Um, so the basic testing, um, you test for everything that you're getting licensed for. Okay. Um, but your basic licensing is only for hiking and camping. And they um, they just it's a series of multiple choice questions and um, map and compass questions uh, that you just have to answer correctly and pass. All the other specific ones, um, like hunting, uh, that one I didn't have to demonstrate anything, but you had to know hunting rules and regulations and things like that. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but the higher, the, the more dangerous ones like rock climbing and whitewater rafting, um, those you have to demonstrate specific skills for. All right. Yeah, that makes total sense. Fantastic. We're fish out of water here. Yes. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so how many, like, so I'm assuming that you are certified in at least the hiking, the hunting, like, do you have the rafting one? Like, how many of the certifications do you have? I have all of the certifications for New York State except for rock and ice climbing and whitewater rafting. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. Those are um, 
I don't know enough about rock climbing to uh, take the test at the moment, mm-hmm. but I'm actually working on that for the future. Oh, very cool. Um, and white, white water is uh, just um, really kind of too far out of my way to get into. Now, where, where would there be white water rafting in the Catskills? If uh, any? There's um, the Asopus. Okay. Is, uh, the upper Asopus would have some white water, very okay. small sections of it, but otherwise, mainly, you'd be in the Adirondacks. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> cool. So, as far as hiking, like I said, we have, I think we're four short of our 3,500. Um, we, we've been pissed at the Catskills. <laughs> we've been taking a long hiatus from the Catskills after this past winter. <laughs> we were on track. We were going every weekend, and then I got COVID, and it derailed us, and we... We wanted uh, bigger mountains. <laughs> yes. So we've been in the Adirondacks, yeah. but we are going back to the Catskills. It's just um, closer, you know? Yeah. It beats a five-hour drive for us, you know? And you yeah, are doing no an doubt. excellent job of promoting it. Oh, yeah, so no doubt. I'm, I'm interested again. You got us hooked again. <laughs> so how many times have you done your 3,500, would you estimate, since you've been doing it um, since you were a teenager? I don't really keep track, but I would estimate I've probably finished about four or five rounds. Cool. Wow. Well done. And, that is awesome. And I'm, I'm actually in the process of um, completing a round with a friend of mine, uh, specifically at night. Oh, oh cool. right! <laughs> that yeah. the bushwhacks at night must be fun. Um, we've only gotten into a couple of them because uh, we're doing it. If they haven't come up. We put all the names of the peaks in a bowl and we choose it like a lottery. Oh, oh that's a really um, fun way of doing it. It's a good idea. <laughs> so. It's, so far, um, only a few of the bushwhacks at night have come up, and they haven't been too difficult. Um, one was Catterskill High Peak, and the other one was um, Mount Shirell. Um So those were, Shirell uh, was, was a challenge, but that's because we got caught in a thunderstorm um, on our way back down. So generally, we, um, we hike up when there's enough light, like just before we just um, you have to be on the peak at official sundown. Uh-huh. So we hike up in the early evening before the sun goes down so we can see where we're going and then we wait until official sundown and then start our way back down. Now is this so something that you not... came up with? Um, we, we thought we came up with it but then uh, <laughs> discussing it with some of the older members of the 3500 Club there actually is an unofficial title for it, and they call it Catskills After Dark. There's oh. no patch for it or any. Yeah, there's no patch for it or anything like that. But they have um, they have done it, so they they have claimed it as Catskills After Dark. That is a really cool idea, and I, I love the unofficial title. So yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. It's I, I, uh, I mean the. the the forests are completely different, and having already done all these peaks so many times, it's great to see them in a different light, so to speak. Literally a different light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that definitely sounds like a lot of fun. I really enjoy night hiking. I'm not sure how I would do coming down peaks at night, but like <laughs> I really enjoy hiking, doing night hikes on the Appalachian Trail, so all right. It's going on the list of stuff for us to do. All right, after the two million other things yes. that we have to complete beforehand. All right, good. All right. So, um, assuming you lead a lot of hikes through the company and um, help people at least get on their way to their 3500s, um, what is the yep. most requested or the most popular hike from your clients? Um. Well, I mean, obviously there's Catterskill Fall. Yeah. Um, that's the, the most popular place in the Catskills. Uh, I take a lot of people there, um, generally because, uh, you know, I get calls and they're beginner hikers. And it's, um, if you go from the, along the Catterskill Rail Trail, it's really nice, flat, easy hike. 
through some beautiful forest and then you see Catterskill Falls, um, the highest two-tier waterfall in New York. And uh, round trip, it's like three miles. So, you know, you get some mileage in, you get to see some beautiful scenery and it's a great beginner hike. So I get that one a lot. Um, and I also get uh, Overlook Mountain, the fire tower and the old hotel yep. This is certainly an education. I did not know that Catterskill Falls was the highest in New York. Yep. All right, that's... Yeah, um, I mean, I, I believe Niagara is still uh, considered the highest falls, but it's only a single tier. So okay. Okay, that's falls the distinction. Actually is two, tier. two tiers, that's great. All right, because that one keeps coming up, and then... We've been so turned off, actually, by Catterskill Falls because of all the tourists that come to the falls in the summertime. And we, oh, yeah. We just want to yeah. drive past it and get away from people. No, exactly. But, um, you know, if you, if you have the opportunity to go, um, it, it's just as beautiful in the dead of winter. You know, middle of the week in the dead of winter when the falls are completely frozen from top to bottom. It's just as beautiful as watching it in summertime. Oh, I bet. I bet. I mean, we, there's a falls actually right near where I live in at the Palisades. That their one little tiny falls freezes over in the wintertime and it's magnificent. So I can only imagine how Catterskill is. Yeah, Catterskill Falls is amazing when it's frozen. It's... Uh, yeah, it definitely looks like something not from New York. All right, so that's how we'll have to handle that yeah. because we, yeah. we've we avoided it. And then obviously driving out, leaving the park, you just see the line of cars illegally parked. And then you see... The line the, of people. The line of people. And then you see um, just the police officers making lots of money, just ticket, 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 ticket. So, all right, dead of winter. That's how we'll handle that one. That'll be on the yeah, list first. <laughs> so, where do your clients mostly come from? Um, New York, New Jersey area, or further away? Uh, yeah, New York, New Jersey area, pretty much. Um, I get a few of uh, mainly uh, New York and New Jersey up here on vacation and just doors safely and um, I'll have someone take the thought out of it for them so they don't have to worry about what trail they're on and where they're going. They just want to look enjoy. at some sites and enjoy the day. Awesome. Very cool. Awesome. Now, do you find that most of uh, your clientele are even though they're beginners, are they somewhat versed in map reading or are they extreme, you know, newbies and they know nothing about wilderness or hiking at all? Um, no, most of my clients have been pretty good with like knowing about hiking and things like that. I don't, not really well versed in map reading right. per se, but, uh, you know, they, they don't show up wearing, um, you know, high heel shoes or anything like that, or sneakers when it's not supposed to, when you're not supposed to. Yeah. Um, but I, I also send out kind of like a hike list of things that you should wear beforehand anyway. So. Of, I'm sure I'm sure you do. I mean, as you can imagine, <laughs> you know, we, we see the a very wide spectrum of interesting people on the Appalachian Trail. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe one day someone would come in high heels. I don't know. We, we've, we've seen it. Right. <laughs> you, never, you never know. I've heard, uh, I've heard stories about people showing up for um, guided backpacking trips. Now, this didn't happen to me, but it happened to a friend of mine who guide. Uh, a woman showed up with a roller suitcase. Oh, okay. She didn't have a Sherpa with her? For her, for her backpacking trip and uh, he, he actually made her roll the suitcase the entire time there you go how far was the trip uh, I think overall they were probably about um, five or six miles something like that so it wasn't super far but, but still with a roller like they suitcase were, they were nowhere yeah. near a sidewalk yeah <laughs> Love it. that's amazing 
So what are your, or what is your, personal favorite peak in the park and your least favorite? Uh, my personal favorite peak is Thomas Cole. Oh, I, yes, oh, I we love, love that one. Cole. Yep. <laughs> I just, I love that boulder and the, you know, the, the pine trees that are up there. Um, just that summit is just awesome. It just feels, it has such a vibe. Which is another thing about the Catskills. Um, you know, they, they have like this weird vibe to them. Like you actually can pick up certain peaks, you can pick up certain feelings. I don't know, it's hard to explain, but. No, I definitely one get. Of the things like. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, they are very different than an Adirondack peak. Um, it definitely oh, has its own feel. Yeah, a lot of them. I love when you get close to the summit and it flattens out. You get that nice pine duff on the trail. Um, you're surrounded by pine trees. It's like a plateau. It's You definitely know that you're in the Catskills with some of the profiles of the peaks. Right, yeah. I mean, even when we were doing um, Slide, for instance, Slide was a very different peak than Blackhead. That's for darn sure. Right. <laughs> All right, and then slide is also one of my slide is also one of my favorites. Actually, the entire Burroughs ring is uh, if I had to pick a favorite trail, it would be the Burroughs. The Burroughs, yeah. Slide is awesome. I love yeah, slide, slide Winter too. Slide Winter's great. Yeah, it's a good one. What about your least just favorite? Go down, just. Uh, my least favorite is um, one of the trailless peaks. Um, I pronounce it Halcott. It's oh, actually yes. local. The locals pronounce it Hawkett. So <laughs> you, <laughs> your pick. But that's uh, that's I, I despise that peak. <laughs> You're not a local. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> well, local, local further, further to. Um, that peak. Oh, so I see. Okay. Say the, <laughs> Haw, no. It doesn't even. Yeah. Not even remotely similar. <laughs> right. I mean, it's spelled Hawcott. Yeah. So that's how I pronounce it. But. <laughs> so why is but, it? Yeah, uh, why is it on your not favorite list? Um. It is. Uh, extremely steep it's basically straight up right out of the parking lot um and i mean it has a beautiful waterfall right at the beginning so it does have one redeeming quality but it's basically straight up there's a ton of nettles on it in the spring and summer um and the top just has the, the summit has like no redeeming quality to me there's no there's no view oh. which isn't really that important if as long as the summit is cool, like Thomas Cole has no yep. views, but it's my favorite summit. Um, this one's just very it's nondescript, and I don't know, I just don't enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you said that was a bushwhack as well, or? Yeah, that's one of the trailers peaks. It's a bushwhack. So you're straight up, and you're bushwhacking, and the summit sucks. Okay. God, I, no wonder. Understood. Yeah. yeah. Hawk it, forget it. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm sure I guess people disagree with me, but that's my opinion. Well, <laughs> they're they're not on the podcast now, are they? <laughs> they are not. <laughs> so we'll have to do it eventually, but yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to now. <laughs> it, it'll be like taking our medicine just so that we can get our thirty-five hundred. Yeah. What are right. your thoughts <laughs> on Devil's Path? Um, we did it. Uh, we loved yeah. it. We split it up into two days. It gets this right. reputation as the most dangerous hike, hike in the East, and we didn't find that at all. And they don't mention Trap Dyke in the Adirondacks at all on those lists. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, the Trap Dyke is the trap dike is not a hike at all. It's actually considered a climb. Oh, okay. um, You can't, like, technically, I can't guide you up the Trap Dyke because I don't have a climber's guide mode. Wow. wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, the, all right. Um, so the classification the two, makes the sense. The two are completely different, but the Devil's Path, 
Um, no, I've heard that a ton myself. I don't consider it the most dangerous path in the Catskills, um, let alone the East Coast, as, the, yeah. as they say it is. Uh, it's extremely challenging. Um, I've done it in a day. I've done it over two days, three days. I've done it from west to east, east to west, every which way you can do that trail. <laughs> I've, I've done Devil's Death. And uh, I love it. It's a great trail. It's really challenging, uh, especially as doing it in a day. is uh, oh, extremely challenging. We were, we were watching runners not- pass us during our hike. <laughs> And hats off to y'all who do it in a day. Yeah, refresh my memory. You're looking at um, at least 25 miles to do it in a day over very difficult terrain. um, Over what? Over very difficult terrain. You're looking at like 25 miles, I think. You can refresh my memory on that. Yeah, average, average depending on whose GPS because they're all different it's yeah it's about 25 miles um about 8,000 feet of elevation change and uh yeah it's average people you know most I think most people complete it in a day in somewhere between like 15 and 18 hours yeah yep yeah so it's a long day it's uh you know it's not an impossible hike um for anyone who's fit and you know capable of doing something like that it's really it's it's mental and how 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 many hours can you walk right (laughs) we very much enjoyed breaking it up camping at the campground getting rained on getting rained on ice cream it was great we staged (laughs) cars so we were able to go for go into town three days yeah yeah, yeah really. we were able to go into town, get some ice cream, and then pick it up the next day, and we thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. Right? Yeah, that's that's definitely the better way to go. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> and the two halves are different as well. Anyway, oh, absolutely. You know? I mean, if you start on the eastern half and you're doing the main amount of peaks through that, it's completely different forest than when you're on the other side of the coast. Yep. A hundred percent. So, yeah. We got to get back up there to do the fire tower. I know. Um, Stupid challenge. (laughs) So I, (laughs) is this an official challenge or is this something that I just came up with? Um, Yes, I think it is official. He's been obsessed for like three years. With the fire tower challenge. Okay. Um, New York State has the Catskills fired the five fire towers is, is a challenge. Okay, so it was. is official. It's not just in my head. That's one of those, uh, like... No, it's not... It's, like, I thought yeah, I came up with it, and then... The mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Alright, so this year we're getting that done. I think Cuomo, it was a real push to, to do that or something. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of remember he that. He did. Oh, okay. okay, it was him. Yeah. Yep. And now he's yeah, gone. He... Goodbye. <laughs> So they need to they need to call it like the Governor Hochul Fire Tower Challenge, I guess, right? Right. Well, no. Thankfully, they didn't put his name on it. Oh, at good. All, so, good. 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 Um, they got a bridge. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> they got a bridge. But yeah, it was. Uh, it, I think it only ran for like a year or so. So I don't know if it's still officially a challenge or not. I know there's a Fire Tower Challenge that also includes the Catskills and the Adirondacks. Okay. Um, but I think the Catskill one was only a push for like a year. I see. Uh, and they were, I was actually the, well, the group of three of us, we were the first people to complete the challenge after he announced it. Well done. Congratulations. Congratulations. <laughs> so you got your we patch. Did, and we did it all, and we did them all in a day. Oh, God damn it. Oh, that's impressive. <laughs> that's, awesome. that's very, how many hours? Uh, it took us 15 hours to do the entire, to do all five, but I would have to say that uh, most of that 15 hours was driving. That was going to make sense. That was going to be my next question. There's not a trail that connects them, so you're summoning, no. and then you're yeah. driving, and then, yeah. Cool. Yeah, which was kind of, which was kind of nice the first couple, because you were like, hey, get back in the car, I can eat a sandwich, I, <laughs> you know, I got a cold Gatorade in the cooler. 
And then by, you know, after like the third one, you're just like, when is it going to be over? Hour, <laughs> yeah, we have an hour drive to the next oh. hour trailhead. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? The park is so deceiving as to actually how big it is. Because, you know, we, it really is. It, it, it's, it's crazy. We were going to do, I forget what peak we were going to do, one of the winter peaks that we needed to do. And it was just so bloody icy, we decided to do something else. It was like an hour and a half to the other peak. So it's super deceiving. Yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, it's just the way they made the roads. Because a lot of times I'll, you know, I'm Googling trailheads and it's like, it's not very far miles wise, but the time to get there, you're just like, why is it taking me an hour and a half to get 50 yep. miles? Yeah, yep. absolutely. Yeah, we found that even staging the cars for our Devil's Path hike. Um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was an hour but to pick up one car and bring it to the other, so... Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit, um, educate us further? This has been very educational, by the way, <laughs> for us. Um, tell us a little bit about the history of the area because you drive through some parts of the park and you can tell, wow, this is kind of tired. It hasn't seen a lot of tourism. 19, or, 1950s bungalows. And yeah. And then you drive <laughs> through other parts and there's a brand new ski resort. Um, so right. just a little summary to the best of your knowledge of the history of the park in the area would be awesome. Um, well, I mean, since the early 1800s, probably 1827, I think was when the Catskill Mountain House was built. Um, that was the, that was the flagship that started the entire, um, resort area, which is what the Catskills are known for. Um, so since the early 1800s, we've been a tourist destination for everyone from New York and New Jersey. Um, with my town, Cat, the, the village of Catskill, Dutchman's Landing Park on the Hudson River was actually the base stop for steamships coming up the Hudson River with tourists and dropping them off and then they would get on the Catskill Mountain Railroad here in Catskill and go up to uh, the Mountain House, the Catterskill Hotel, the Laurel House, Overlook Hotel. Um, so we've just always been a tourist destination. And then of course, as these things drop off, you know, towns were built around these kind of summer seasons. And then as the tourism fluctuates over the years is how we end up with towns with no more industry right of course i mean and i'm sure that the when the hudson river painters started to put a spotlight on the catskills that really brought in tourism as well right yep you know funny funny aside when i was when i was in paris a few weeks ago at the louvre there was a Hudson River painter. <laughs> Hudson River painting there of the Catskills. I'm like, no one knows what the hell this place is. Bring it home. Bring this painting home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so can we now call it the world-renowned Catskills <laughs> since there is a depiction of it in the Louvre? <laughs> you, uh, yeah, I would I would love for you to call it the world-renowned Catskills. All right, <laughs> All right. It's, it's, it's official. That's, what we're, that's gonna be the title of the episode. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Yeah, because like I said, as you're driving through, you can tell, okay, this particular town or area is doing well at the moment. It's thriving. Other parts you can tell, okay, this area looks like it was popular once, but now is looking a bit tired. Um, I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure also because there are two main roads, like the main drags that go through the Catskills and then those little windy back roads that you have to go to reach other uh, trailheads. Uh, those are going to be the more popular uh, towns, like Hunter, on the one of those main right. roads. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know, a lot of our older resorts were off main roads. Um, so, you know, not many people are driving to them anymore. And, uh, you know, I just don't, I don't think it has the draw um because we don't have, they were just basically resorts for people to come up and actually relax. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. You know, I mean, no, no one goes on vacation and relaxes anymore. No, it's you so true. Vacation <laughs> from your vacation. 
Yeah. Yeah. We are definitely you know, so. guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, we've we've all seen the movie Dirty Dancing. Yes. Um, that was the cat. That was the Catfield. You know, those. We were really like that when, you know, that that movie uh, <clears throat> portrayed. Right. Um, I mean, I remember even as I was a, when I was a kid, um, you know, late seventies, early eighties. We still had resorts that were fully functioning around here. I had friends that I only saw in the summertime because they came up from Long Island and New York City. Wow. That's it's like it's a bygone era. It really is a bygone era at this point. And yeah. I mean, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel shows the Catskills in terms of it so perfectly as like calling it the, the Jewish Alps and, and the, the Jewish populations going up to the Catskills during the summertime. I, it, yeah. it looked great. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it was just you know we, we would we had friends that was who stayed at resorts and you'd ride your bike over and grab your friend that you only saw for like two months a year out of the year and you'd just go run off into the woods and go have fun. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> All right, so um, tell us a little bit about Arizona. How did you find yourself uh, out there, and what's the hiking like? Um, well, I found myself out there because I was 19, um, and it was the furthest I could get away from New York. <laughs> yeah, okay. So <laughs> I knew nothing. I knew nothing about the state. You know, I, I knew it was desert and had no idea what to expect. Um, but it, it is a beautiful state. It's amazing. And there's so much diverse terrain in Arizona. I mean, it goes from sand dune desert to the snow-capped mountains that actually still have snow for a better part of the year. You know, I mean, the tallest peak in Arizona is over 12,000 feet. Oh, uh, wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I we and, know um, nothing about it, so this is... I mean, the part of Arizona that I was in, it was all desert, basically, so know nothing about the um, the mountains in Arizona. Right. Um, where were you in Arizona? Uh, well, I hit Four Corners, and then I was hugging the border down to um, Chinle. Oh, okay. So it's like okay. it's known as the second largest. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Canyon in the country. Ch- uh huh. So. All right. Um. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, you drive a couple hours uh, out of Phoenix and you're up in the mountains. Um, you know, Flag- Flagstaff, which uh, has um, Northern Arizona University, so they're a college town with a large university. They're, they sit like between eight and 9,000 feet in elevation. And um, so it's completely different. You're driving three hours from Phoenix to Flagstaff and it just, it changes drastically. It goes to giant ponderosa pines and huge, um, huge aspen groves and high mountain meadows, uh, elk everywhere. It's, uh, Sounds amazing. it's a beautiful state. <laughs> yeah, that, we are known, well, I guess it's my perspective as living in the tri-state area, but we're known as you know, all the peaks you could possibly want because you have the whites, you have the Catskills, you have the Adirondacks, basically within driving distance if you live in New Jersey, Connecticut, New York. Um, it seems like Arizona, like, should be more known for its peaks and its hiking because 9,000 feet is higher than anything we have in this area. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just not a, you know, it's not as popular as like going to Colorado and doing the four, the, the four yeah, yeah, that's why. Um, you know, but it, it does, uh, it does have its notoriety. Um, you know, the thing, Arizona is, uh, is very, uh, it's very rugged though. Um, so maybe that's why, uh, temperature swings could be anywhere between like 30 and 40 degrees in the daytime 
that's incredible. I, I mean, mean desert, can, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, back backpacking, you could you could wake up to it being below freezing, thirty degrees with frost across the desert, um, and then be eighty-five to ninety degrees by the afternoon. Bring all your gear. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. If you think preparing for winter hiking <laughs> and prepare for the desert, you're like, I'm going to be freezing in the morning and then naked in the afternoon. <laughs> well, they do have the the hike naked day. I, I'm yes. sure people do it more than once a right. year out there. So <laughs> That's got to be like a 60-pound load bringing just stuff to prepare for weather changes. Um, wow, that is... Unless you're Candace Burt, in which case you just bring a hydration vest and hope for the best. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, that is absolutely fantastic. Does um, the, um, I'm sorry, does the Arizona Trail go over these high good peaks? Good question. Uh, it doesn't go over Humphreys Peak, which is the 12,000 footer, but it does go over some high peaks. Oh, um okay. That's actually, that's on my radar to do. I would love to do the Arizona Trail. Oh. I've hiked sections of it before, but I've never completed the whole thing, and I'd like to do hike it. How long is it? How many miles? Um, I think it's somewhere around 600 miles. It's staggering to me. <laughs> Be it as that New Jersey's, what, 67, 18 yep. miles? I mean, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, start, it starts at the Arizona-Mexico border and mm -hmm. goes to the border of Utah. That's so cool. Let's do um, it! Yep, on the list. <laughs> on the list. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you lead a trip out there, we'll sign up for we'll it. We'll sign up. <laughs> You'll have right. to get your Absolutely. Arizona certificate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I, yeah, the good thing about New York State licensing is... Um, it does reciprocate to states that don't have their own specific program. Rock so on. not every state has so not every state has a guide program. Um, so if they don't have a specific one, I'm allowed to guide there, and I can also just contact the state, you know, their guide program, and they would probably just allow me with a New York State license. Sweet. That's that's fantastic because it's probably. The New York State licensing is probably a lot more difficult than the others, so it probably covers their, probably more than covers their requirements, I would imagine. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it, it definitely covers a lot. You know, it's, you do have to put in a little bit of work and have, have some knowledge to be able to get it. But it's, uh, I don't know what the other states are like, but so we definitely... Uh, we're coming up yeah. on about 50 minutes, so we'll okay. start wrapping up, but um, tell us about your company and what kind of trips you lead and plug away, sir. Yes, please do. <laughs> All right. Um, well, name of the company, as you said, is Rip Van Winkle Adventure Guide. Um, I got that because I live in the land of Rip Van Winkle. Mm -hmm. Um, I guide for hiking, camping, hunting, fishing, and paddling, which is, uh, I do flat water, uh, kayak, and canoe trips. Um, other than that, I do multi-day backpacking trips, single-day hiking trips, um, help people complete their challenges at 35. So what rivers do you do the, um, kayaking on? Did we lose you? Did we? Do oh. mushrooms and edible plants, so I like to teach people those as we're hiking along. We, um, we kind of lost we kind of yeah. lost you because of the signal and you came back oh. when you were saying edibles and mushrooms. You were like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, we can get into that in another podcast. <laughs> Actually, we definitely would like to get into that in another podcast in more detail. Um, that's we did. We found some chicken of the woods about a week ago, and we were so uh -huh. excited. Yeah, we did some harvesting, and we uh, put some oil in a pan, and we sautéed it up. It was delicious. 
Yeah, it's uh, it, it's one of the best mushrooms uh, that we have grown around here. I mean, it is a serious substitute for chicken if you're looking to substitute meat, you know, cut meat out of your diet. Um, it cooks just like chicken does. I yep. make, um, I actually make chicken fried steak with it. Oh, wow. We're coming over your house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we might do an edit, but let's back up. I don't know. That, that was pretty yes, good. That was pretty epic. <laughs> um, so can you recap? I was asking about your uh, kayaking trips, your river trips. Like Where what, do you go? Yeah, what rivers? How does that aspect of it oh. work? Um, I do uh, tours on the Catskill Creek and the Hudson River uh, here in Catskill and um, another small town just north of us called Athens. Um, so we have launch we have launch points all along the river with different boat launches that we can launch out of. And I paired up with a friend of mine that I've known my whole life who started a kayak rental business. So I do the tours for him. And uh, yeah, we the Hudson here is beautiful flat water, um, especially in the in the late evenings. So I do a lot of sunset tours. Um, the the river really settles down and becomes like glass in the early evening, and we get some beautiful sunset shots of the Catskill Mountains once we're out on the river. I bet you do. Sounds yeah, great. your Instagram is filled with great shots. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's, it's the pictures take themselves. It's just being out there at the right time. And sun, sunset out here on the river and the creek is it's like the perfect time of day to be out. And uh, the Catskill Creek is awesome. Uh, a lot of history with the Catskill Creek as well um, and the area. But yeah, it's another, it's a flat water paddle. Uh, it goes through town, but there's sections where you get into some small pockets of forest and you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Oh, about how many hours are you generally on the water with those trips? Uh, the, the tours are two hours. Oh, you pack a lot in in two so hours. Paddle. Yeah, we paddle, we paddle out for like two hours uh, and just kind of paddle around. A lot of it is, um, especially with the creek, we paddle up, and then I just make everybody stop and relax. Don't paddle, let the creek just float us back to where nice. we're going. So it's just kicking back in the kayak and looking at the scenery. And uh, you know, we have uh, we have bald eagles here, um, osprey, great blue herons, all kinds of birds and wildlife around here. So just floating on the water and waiting for something to fly by is one of my favorite pastimes. <laughs> That sound extremely relaxing. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's cool. I mean, we get some pretty close up experiences with uh, with bald eagles. Um, we've we've seen some pretty cool things. My friend actually has a video of an osprey, which is another raptor, smaller than an eagle but larger than a hawk, um, flying over the river with a fish in its talon. That's what and I was going to ask. Yeah, and a bald eagle comes flying up behind it and does a barrel roll underneath it and grabs the fish and then continues flying away with this osprey's fish. And my friend has it all on video. Oh, that fantastic. is amazing. That's what a like little all... asshole. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is absolutely that's cool. fantastic because that's an area or a part of the Catskills that we know nothing, nothing about um, because we are hikers, but... Uh, what times of year do you, when do you start that up? When do you shut it down? Do you go all year? Um, <laughs> or do we, you go all year? We paddle. No, well, the river, the river freezes and so does the creek. But um, we paddle from uh, Memorial Day weekend to Columbus Day. So we're still doing tours right now for a few more weeks. Nice. Fantastic. Nice. All right. And I'm assuming... Um, yeah, the hiking. Do you lead hunting trips? Uh, I do. I lead uh, hunting trips. I do backcountry hunting, um, which is basically we're hiking. We're 
putting pa- putting pack on, carrying a bow. Um, I predominantly bow hunt. Nice. So I prefer my clients to use a bow as opposed to a rifle. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, not that I have anything wrong with it, but I just feel bow is more challenging. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, I we do camp uh, camp hunting trips um, into the backcountry, into the Catskills, where we'll hike in, set up camp, and then try to track uh, deer or wild turkeys. That would be awesome. That, yes. That would be awesome. And from what I understand, um, hunting trips like that are ultra lightweight because you are carrying out pounds and pounds of meat. Um, Basically. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, we try to stay ultra lightweight, but... Um, Because all your weights with the game that you're bringing back. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, um, a white-tailed deer here, uh, they don't really weigh that much. Um, I've done backcountry hunts in Arizona where we've had to pack out an elk, which is like 600-pound animal. Whoa. Yeah. Um, A a deer is probably like at most 180. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once... Once you break that down to just the meat that you're taking, you're talking about an additional probably 50 pounds. So not not too bad to split up between group of people to carry out. Um, I was going to say, and then you're splitting that up. Yeah. I definitely wouldn't want to put all of that added to my own pack and then write down. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't blame you. Right. Right. That's so cool. That is amazing. I think we are going to be uh, looking you up and, and possibly booking something. Um, so, yeah. Do you have any unique or interesting stories you want to share? Totally stealing from Trail Tales yes. once again because we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, hmm. Let me see. Uh, I just kind of started talking about the, the elk hunting trip, but... Uh, uh, I don't have a Catskill-specific interesting story. That's but okay. I do, have, uh, <laughs> I do have an interesting story from Arizona where um, I saved a guy with a compound fracture oh. of his leg. Uh, yeah. And um, so that one's pretty interesting. The calabrises actually save humans. So, yes. It's true. The, the, you know what? We're going to talk to calabrises from now on because Chris had a story like that. You have you have a story like that. <laughs> Calabrises save lives. Yeah, I guess, yeah, we're that's what we're here for. Um, yeah, uh, I'll try to keep it short. It's a little long, but okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you the, the cliff notes of it. <laughs> so, in Arizona, a group of friends of mine who we all love to hike and go out in the desert, uh, we basically would get up on Saturday morning and we would just pick an area. Now, this was pretty much like before anybody had cell phones with all trails on it. I mean, it was definitely before all trails existed. So we actually used an atlas map to find places to go. And we would pick areas and we would drive out um, and then just hike all day. Uh, And generally for desert hikes, you're always looking for a place to go swimming. So we found this area called West Clear Creek. So we decided, let's go explore it and go swimming. So we hike out, we, we park our jeeps, uh, and we hike about three miles into this canyon, following the water, and we found this beautiful swimming hole and just decided that's where we're gonna hang out and swim. Uh, so we were spending some time, a couple hours by ourselves, no one else around, just hanging out and enjoying the day. And these two guys come through, uh, going fishing so they're carrying backpacks and fishing poles and following the west clear creek and trying to trying to go fishing in different holes so the only way to get past the spot where we were swimming was to either walk chest deep through the water or negotiate this small ledge that was about eight feet over the water so the first guy who is not um not a very slim man (laughs) I'll put it that way Uh, he starts negotiating this ledge and he's got his backpack over one shoulder 
uh, and a fishing pole in the other hand. And myself and my friends are like, it's not a good idea, don't do it. And he kind of waves us off and starts taking about two more steps. And we see him lose his balance. So now he's over the water. The water's not very deep where he is, but it's a couple of feet. So he decides that he's just going to, and he's only about eight feet up. So he decides he's going to jump off the ledge and land in the water. Uh -oh. so when, he landed in the, when he landed in the water straight, his leg slipped, hit a rock, um, and he compound fractured his, uh, his shin. Oh. Now, so <laughs> myself and my two friends spring into immediate action. I don't know why. I mean, we just did. He, and dove into the water, pulled this guy out of the water. He's got a bone sticking out of his leg. And, and, he's, and he's screaming in pain. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we're in a canyon and we don't have cell phone signal. So we're debating between three of us, like who wants to go actually call the police and paramedics and who wants to stay here? And I was like, I took one look at the guy's leg and I was like, I'll go. Yep. So <laughs> I grab I grab my phone and my pack and I head three miles back to the trailhead where a car's parked, where a jeep's parked. And I barely get a signal and I dial 911. Um, the 911 operator works some kind of magic to boost the signal so I can actually hear her. Interesting. Um, and I, re I report the... I report the injury, and they say they're going to send the paramedics. So hang up the phone. Two minutes later, forest rangers pull up. And I'm just like, wow, that was really fast. <laughs> and <laughs> so they, were, they looked at me, and they were like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, oh, you didn't get the phone call that there's a guy with a broken leg three miles out? And so, you know, they both said, they were like, no, we didn't but can you show us where he is? So I grab my stuff, they park their truck. We hike the three miles out to where this gentleman is still laying on the rock uh, with his broken leg. And they proceed to do whatever they can on site without a lot of equipment. And then they ask me if I can go back to the trailhead and wait for the paramedics. So three miles back to the trailhead. <laughs> We're up to what, nine miles now? To show. So far, yeah. <laughs> so far. <laughs> yeah. So they decide, so I go back, trailhead, paramedics show up, and I'm like, hey, you know, three miles this way, follow me. So hike three miles back with the paramedic. Um, so they finally get there. They, they start taking care of this guy. They they, they do like the morphine shot in yeah. his leg so he can't feel anything and they're starting to get him stabilized and they decide that they're going to call in for a chopper rescue because again the guy is not very slim <laughs> they didn't want to they brought they had one of the board stretchers but they didn't want to carry him three miles back yeah. on a stretcher so they call a helicopter um we're sitting out there, it's about an hour before the helicopter shows up. Helicopter's hovering over this canyon. Now the plan was to drop a cable down and send the basket and bring him up. Well, the helicopter can't get close enough uh, because of the canyon walls. Yep. So he, he radios down and he tells us, I found a clearing about a half a mile away. We'll meet you there. So oh, now it's <laughs> so now it's, it's myself, my two friends, two forest rangers, two paramedics, and this guy's buddy. We get him on the board, and now we're all carrying him, Sherpa style, across the creek. So we're all chest deep in the water, oh holding God. him out of the water. We carry him, we carry him half a mile through the woods and get him to this clearing. Uh, in quotes that the helicopter pilot said that he found. And we set the guy down and I turn around to watch this chopper pilot 
do the most amazing aerial maneuvers I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he <laughs> he's coming straight down, turns the back end of the helicopter around a tree, drops another 10 feet, turns it back the other way. I mean, I don't know how he landed in this thing and it was a clearing, but the helicopter landed successfully. They get the guy on board. Everybody gets on board, the rangers, the paramedic, the guy's friend. And we're all looking at we're all looking at the helicopter and we're like, what about us? And they're like, you guys got a hike back in. <laughs> so back to get my stuff and another three miles back to the trail. <laughs> Damn. But I did um the, the greatest part about that story though was that uh about six months later I got a letter from the guy. Aww. Um Thanking, thanking me for everything that we did to save him um, and the doctors had actually told him that everything we did for him saved his life well done wow so what <laughs> uh, with a compound fracture there's really not much you can do other than what you did and get help like what were they able to do on site because you don't really want to mess with the bone like what do you actually do for that first aid wise uh, uh well what we did for him before the paramedics got there was to um tie off his leg above the wound with a light tourniquet to slow blood down to his leg uh, but then we actually left his leg in the water because the creek was very cold that's genius. Yes. Wow. So we left it. We left it, the the broken part in the water, which is basically like packing in a knife. Yep. That's genius. And um, all the paramedics were able to do on site, realistically, was split it and bandage it to control bleeding. Okay. Wow. And then once he once he got to the hospital, they had to surgically yeah. uh, put his bone back together. And he's okay. Yeah. You truly did save his life. Yep. Well done. <laughs> and that is definitely so far um, the most epic story we've had on the podcast. <laughs> so congratulations. <laughs> you were you are in some sort of epic story Thank award. You. Well done. <laughs> nice. Um unless anyone has anything else, I think we're gonna let you plug your Instagram, anything you want to give out to let people know how to book trips. And we will also have these in the show notes. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, so shoot, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, well, you can get in touch with me at our RVW Adventure Guides on Instagram. Um, Rip Van Winkle Adventure Guides on Facebook. Or you can just Send me an email through RipVanWinkleAdventureGuides.com at my website, uh, and um, I usually go from there. I love to speak to my clients and get an idea of what they're looking for in an adventure, as opposed to just telling them what they're going to get. You know, a lot of a lot of places just do like set adventures, like you sign up, right, um, like repackage for this certain hike. Yeah, uh, I like to talk to my clients and get an idea of what they're looking for, how adventurous they want to be, and then put together several choices for them to choose from. That is fantastic. I think um, you may have two additional clients at some point. In we're going to pick like the most outrageous yes. thing. And we're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's all, let's, all do, let's all do Hawk It together. Oh, great idea. Perfect. Let's do it. <laughs> Happy memories. <laughs> all right. Thank you very, very much, Greg. This was uh, fan very educational for us. Oh, and I enjoyed this so much. Definitely appreciate you coming on. And um, I definitely... Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. We want to have you back to talk about some of the things we didn't get to talk about, maybe more of the hunting, um, the edibles, the mushrooms that we didn't get to talk about. Um, yeah, if you're willing yeah. to come back, we would love to have you. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back on. Awesome. Well, Greg, stay on the phone. Uh, we're just going to wrap it up here. 
Uh, so as per okay. usual, my friends, love us, like us on the gram, rocks underscore and underscore roots underscore pod. This was actually like the perfect interview amount of time because we're almost to our destination. This was <laughs> amazing. So uh, as usual, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we're, we haven't branched out quite yet anywhere else, but that's okay. Uh, give us a five-star review if you like us. I mean, don't please don't shit talk us as Kyle likes to say on Trail Tales. And other than that, without further ado, have a lovely evening. Ciao.